Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Curtis Byers, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, hey y'all, we it's game week. We got have an actual game to play on Saturday. By the time you are hearing this, we will be less than two days, or almost exactly two days, away from Rice, uh, going up to Fayetteville to play the Arkansas Razorbacks. We have a little uh, Southwest Conference slate to start off the year. Yeah, and a game being played in September, which I'm just I'm pretty pumped about after having to wait till the end of October last year. Yeah, what a concept playing college football on Labor Day weekend. Magical. Yeah, as God intended. <laughs> oh, yeah. The natural so we got, order of things. We got a lot to get to. We got a uh, an interview coming on, a, a special guest here to talk Razorbacks, who uh, is on the beat uh, every day. So that'll help. We'll, we'll close the show with that. But a couple of housekeeping items if we want to uh, jump right in up top um, and, and kind of just a, a look ahead at how these are going to be scheduled or formatted as we go forward. And I wanted to tell you guys, if you didn't haven't seen it yet, uh, J.P. Heath and I are doing the Blue and Gray preview show. It's going to be a live YouTube show on Wednesdays on the Rice Athletics social media channels. Uh, you can find it. It'll go live. You'll probably get a notification. Uh, go find that. And we're going to preview the game at hand. And since this is going to be released midweek as well on the podcast, we're not going to talk about the same thing over and over again. We're going to focus on the recap. So podcast this year or I guess this season is going to be primarily focusing on the game that was so we can dig into way too deep in the nitty gritty of, of the good or the bad. Uh, and then the, the YouTube live preview show, that'll be kind of looking ahead. So I want to let you guys know about that. Uh, you know, please do rate, review, subscribe, tell folks about the podcast. I'm still running into people who have read a lot of the written stuff before, but didn't know we had a podcast. So please tell them. And then uh, while you're at it, uh, make sure you're checking out our Patreon has uh, practice notes, which have lately have been talking a lot about a quarterback battle that is <laughs> still. Well, I guess it's not undecided. It's decidedly not one guy. Yeah, so decidedly uh, not not final. Right. <laughs> Whatever that means. So we we got some notes there. Uh, some comments, uh, some quotes and stuff from the press conference on Tuesday and some kind of depth chart musings. Uh, Carter, we talked like, man, what, two weeks ago, maybe, about uh, which freshmen could be candidates to start at some point this year. Uh -huh. And uh, we have a freshman on the two deep. So a true freshman. Yeah, things are happening. Which is I'm not I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just I'm saying, who knows? Shout out to uh, Pepe. Yeah. Oh, also, did you notice on that depth chart they have that pronunciation guide on there, and they did not include his name on there? No, did they not? They didn't. I I checked. I specifically because I looked on there and I was like, oh, Pepe's on the he's second team. Okay, like let's look over that. Like, like that'll tell me how to pronounce his first name. Perhaps. Nope. It did not. It gave no guidance. Okay, so I somewhat a family member reached out on Twitter and I asked him how to pronounce Pepe's name. And I have lost it now. Oh, man. But <laughs> it was there and phonetically like spelled out in front of me. Oh, and beautiful. I still I still couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'll have to find it at some point as we kind of talk through but yeah fa a a pepe essentially <laughs> oh here we go yeah fa a a nu pepe okay there we go that's what i thought you got to get the a a a u a a a nu yeah, we won't we I, won't develop <laughs> devote this entire podcast to uh, name pronunciations, but you know it's a fun one. <laughs> uh, so yes, anyway, Arkansas. <laughs> yes, uh, and then I, I guess we we can kind of chunk this into a couple pieces. I figured for our purposes, it might just be interesting to kind of <laughs> stack up uh, one side of the ball. 
against the other Rice and, and, and Arkansas. Do we care? Are we feeling the Rice offense first or the Rice defense? Um, it doesn't really matter. We can try uh, offense. Sure. Offense. Okay. Um, and, and I'm just kind of musing here. I have kind of looked through, I think, what stands out immediately from the Arkansas depth chart is is Jalen Catalan at, at safety and then Grant Morgan at linebacker. Those are yep. two all SEC, you know, frankly, all all American caliber kind of players. And, and then at, at linebacker, we can't forget the incredibly named Bumper Pool. Right. Sorry, I just Who, had to throw that one in there. Well, no, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, Bumper Pool uh, might have a his competition for his uh, starting spot. So, uh, but hopefully not for losing more on more on fun names. Right. So I, I think that's interesting. I think that the back end of this defense is is going to maybe not pose some challenges, but they're going to play uh, pretty physical. And I maybe compared to Conference USA. Uh, and so what I really am, am looking forward to see in this matchup is Brad Rosner is, you know, the X receiver, the big body guy, go up and get him in this offense. I'm interested to see how he is going to be able to fare downfield, because I feel like if he is able to have success and win some of those battles, it's going to really put, pay huge dividends into how Rice is able to move the ball. Yeah. Um I think the thing I'm really looking at here is Arkansas is an extremely like solid and well-coached defense and they're always in the right spot and they always know what to do. And they've got a ton, a ton of veterans. Um, they're SEC quality athletes. And obviously they've got a few guys like Catalan and Grant Morgan that are, are, you know, sort of the cream of the crop, but this is not the same caliber of athlete you're looking at from like a, a Texas or an A&M or an Alabama or what have you, like these are not mostly like high four-star, five-star guys. But the way they play, they essentially are going to play the style of defense where they're going to sit back and refuse to let you get over the top against them. And they're going to assume that they can either stop you or that you'll make a mistake before you can get all the way to the end zone. So playing a defense like that, I will be really interested interested to see like where can Rice find the soft spots because they're going to play a lot of just like straight up zone and there are always going to be yards to be had against that if you're in the right spots if you're getting the ball out quick if you're really precise with your routes and your timing and you know can they get a little bit off those glance route RPOs that they used to love running with Rosner back in 2019 can say, I mean, the, the cat and mouse between whenever Christian McCaffrey is out there with him running the ball and Grant Christian Morgan. McCaffrey? Did I say Christian? Christian well, can we borrow him? I'll yeah, no, he's that available. would be great. Let's start Luke at quarterback and then bring in Christian as a ringer at running back. <laughs> um, but He's free on Saturdays. Exactly. Yeah, he's just flying from Carolina. It's fine. Um, but the cat and mouse game between especially when McCaffrey is in the game and him running the ball and the option runs that they can use with him and Arkansas linebackers. Cause can he like turn the corner and get to the edge and will those guys be in space and in the right spots to make the plays? And if Rice can get a little edge there, then maybe they can move the ball a little bit. And that'll be the key. Like they have to be able to sustain drives because the way Arkansas plays Getting over the top against them is very, very difficult. So you're going to have to be able to play consistently and sustain drives. Yeah, and you saw it a little bit last year because this was not one of the better uh, run defenses in in the country. <laughs> they were yeah. sub sub 100 and, and gave up almost 200 yards per game on the ground. I think that's going to be big for Rice because especially you mentioned McCaffrey. What what I think he brings to the table is. Uh, if you're able to put him in shotgun and spread the offense out and not stick to maybe just like a true eye form with the fullback, you can uh, put your maybe four wide or, or three with a, a receiver or a tight end. Uh, if you can do that and just spread the defense out a little bit, that's going to open up running lanes 
because you're not going to allow Arkansas to crash the box. Because that's something that even even if this is not a, you know, one of the better defenses against the run, it's still SEC sized bodies. And so you probably don't want to get into a, you know, trench warfare where you're stacking your seven on their seven um, and running up the middle. Uh, I think that's probably going to be something that's not not going to favor Rice. Uh, but if you can, like you said, get McCaffrey yeah. out on the perimeter and spread them out. Um, and if you can get Jake Bailey, Brad Rosner going in the passing games on the outsides, um, that's the kind of thing that is going to enable, uh, you know, open up those running lanes. And I think that is really interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that Sam Pittman and his uh, media availability this week called it bully ball, what Rice is going to try and do. And he he spoke very highly of that. And, you know, it's just what you have to say about the other program. Yeah. Like, you gotta, you can't, you know, they, they I mean, and Sam Pittman being a former O-line coach probably does appreciate the way Bloomgren wants to play, but you know, exactly like you were saying, I think this is the, the time to take advantage of those elements um, from spreading the ball out and getting more receivers on the field that, uh, that coach Tui's brought to the offense because, like, like I was saying, the strength of a defense like this is that they're going to keep things in front of them and rally to the ball. And if you pack everything in the box and you give the defense, hey, here's where the ball's going to be, and they can rally to that, you know, even if you break or or make one person miss, break a tackle or make one defender miss, there are three more guys there that have all seen and diagnosed the play and are ready to tackle you. So maybe you turn one yard into two. But if you can at least spread them out a bit and force it so that you just need one player to make a mistake or one, one of your guys to beat his man, then you've got a little more room to work with. Like maybe the safety is going to come down and keep it to a 12 yard gain, but you'd rather have a 12 yard game than a two yard game. So I think taking advantage of every inch of grass available to spread these guys out a little bit and make their ability to rally to the ball and keep things in front a little less, uh, you know, forceful, a little, a little less able to just, just stonewall you. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because I think it'll be a good test of coach Tui's kind of his thumbprint and what that look, cause we, We've seen, you know, uh, I guess fall camp and and various practices of of what changed or is going to change between the Rice offense last year and the Rice offense this year. And I think being able to throw in some of those wrinkles, which Arkansas has no film for at at this point, kind of, you know, as we alluded to in the previous show, like Rice has the element of surprise in this. And I mean, they didn't have to name a starting quarterback, so they didn't. Uh, Who knows? That's just one more thing you can pull, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because if if we can see Tui put in some, I know there's going to be probably a, a bit more motion than we've seen in the past from this offense. And you have guys like Cam Montgomery uh, that are back and, and Zane Knipe. I saw Zane Knipe on a football field catching passes today. And it was ah. so refreshing. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> Just so many other other pieces available. I really think that this will be a good identity test for Rice because of the the size and the talent disadvantage that they face themselves at. I think if we can, you know, the the hope was that when Tui came in, he would bring some creativity and some of his spin to you know the traditional ground and pound and we're still going to see a lot of that but if you can have uh, you know a an extra wrinkle here or there i think that is what's gonna shorten maybe steal you a first down or two on a couple of possessions and get you into scoring range and i and i think that's the kind of to to win a game like this especially on the offensive perspective for rice you need those extra little things to go in your favor yeah. So I, I think they're set up well. I, I think the question that I've heard from uh, from folks on the ground at Arkansas it, it matches up maybe fairly well with how we feel about the Rice offense and is that the, the defensive line has not been something that has been particularly intimidating. Oh, you know, granted, a lot of that is going up against SEC fronts, uh, but 
I think what we've seen the past couple weeks in camp from the Rice O-line, it's kind of gotten better as camp has progressed and they were moving the ball as good as they have all camp by the time they got to the second scrimmage. So that's kind of a, a battle I'll be watching. Can Rice get enough of a, a push up front uh, to, to keep those lanes wide enough? Because we can't, we can't see Rice run for two and a half a carry. Uh, they're going to have to get four. 3.8 at least like yeah I also think that's a huge huge matchup to watch because like Rice is probably not gonna win this battle in the trenches like you know like you said we can say that you know Arkansas defensive defensive line hasn't been very impressive but that's by SEC standards not by CUSA standards it's sort of a whole different uh whole different level there right but what are CUSA standards uh, wait ne- never mind <laughs> yeah that's a different podcast <laughs> what what's the deal with cusa ask cusa blank is a question that um usually you're better off just not asking <laughs> <laughs> but if rice isn't totally overmatched up front this game if they have some times when they really look like they're moving guys around and are getting some push in the run game I think that's going to be a really, really positive sign for when they get into conference play. Yeah, because you're I mean, you mentioned Texas. This is going to be your that's going to be the other test where you have the the big goons that can can move, you know, <laughs> and not just stand there. So I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm I'm optimistic. I, I think what I what I need to see most is a level of creativity to. Uh, get the ball in the hands of playmakers in space. And I think they have they have two quarterbacks that I've seen be able to do that. And Wiley Green, I'll, I'll say we've talked a little bit about a lot about uh, McCaffrey up to this point. But but Green's had a really, really good week uh, of practice and, and had some pretty good throws uh, today down the field. So his his accuracy and, and willingness to pull the trigger downfield, I think, is at a, a level higher than it's been in the past, um, which I was certainly encouraged by if he is, you know, I, I I'm going to guess he's probably going to be the one that takes takes the first snap. How how many snaps he plays or what frequency that is. I, they are holding under wraps. But yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely, like, especially, you know, when you have the throws that are there, and, like, there will occasionally be times to make plays down the field against a defense like this that is trying to take that stuff away, specifically a willingness to go after that and try to push the ball is going to be really, really important, especially because, like, okay, like, these are SEC DBs, like, Jalen Catalan is really good, but, like, Jalen Catalan is 5'10", 200, like, Arkansas's corner, like, even Is when you step really up a level, five ten. He's listed at five ten, which means he's probably not even that. Um, I feel a lot better about Brad Rosner going up over him now. Right, like, you know, you can go to any level you want, and yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, take Brad in a one-on-one matchup against like Derek Stingley, but there aren't a lot of corners at any level that can deal with the height that a guy like him has. And so if you can get him in some one-on-one matchups where you can just say, okay, go up and get the ball, like, he can do that over just about anybody. He has. And and one one thing that I want to add that's impressed me probably the most about him during camp is he's just reinforced that he can win in a phone booth. And I think we, we, we know that he can go up and, you know, he can moss a guy. He can go up, grab the ball out of the air over DB's face. We've seen that. But the the catches that he's been able to make in, in just blanket coverage where the, he's just able to go out and will it away, I think that's something that that will be needed because he is going to have to make a big catch or two or three in this game. Yeah. No. Um Having somebody who can make big play, and hey, maybe, maybe it's uh, Zane Knight who almost feels mythical at this point. Maybe it's uh, Cam Montgomery who, honestly, may be similar. But 
if you can get a couple of those guys that you have that have that real speed, maybe Andrew Mason. Um, and you can, especially if you can get a couple of those guys on the field at once and just, you know, see if you can find the matchup. Because Arkansas is not, like, this is not a defensive line that you say, oh, we can't block this guy, so there's no way we're throwing downfield. Like, you know, I suspect they will look better against Rice than they have against SEC offensive lines, but there will be times that Rice should get time to throw the ball, like like time to drop back, scan the field, wait for a guy to to kind of find a matchup. And if you have those opportunities, like I said, against this kind of defense, you've got to take them and you got to you got to be decisive. If I had to make you put your money on Zane Knipe or Cam Montgomery to score a 75 yard double reverse touchdown. Who would it be? <laughs> Ooh. Um, I guess I trust the health more with Cam at this point, but I have no idea, honestly. I I, I don't even know if there's a reasonable <laughs> answer to that question. Maybe Knipe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we have seen him like actually break a couple big plays. Although, again, not uh, not against Arkansas, more like against UTEP. But yeah, I'm I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to think. I back. can't remember which game that was where he had that long. They did like, they ran like a jet sweep for him or something like that, and it went for what like forty yards or something. But, I don't I don't know if it was that big, but maybe they all run together at this point. But yeah, I'd love to see more <laughs> Zane Knife. Um, and I think we have there's going to be options. I think it's going to be interesting to see how and this is another big, quick, bigger picture question, I guess, how much of a, a target tree they a lot for. Are we just going to see three receivers to this during this game? And, you know, as we have in the past, are they actually going to put six guys out there because they have at least six guys now? So, yeah, and, and I think this works. is a good opportunity to kind of try to platoon those guys and see if you can get, you know, just see if you can get their de- the defense on their heels a little bit. Maybe if you get a bit of a drive going and then rotate in a fresh guy and or rather like one run play, ugh, run one play where you run a nine route on one corner and then rotate in some fresh bodies and make the same corner run all the way down the field again, this time against like Andrew Mason or Zane Dyke or whoever. And see if you can catch him like just a little winded this time. And maybe you got a touchdown. I like this. We're going to have to submit these ideas. It's not bad <laughs> strategy. Just make him tired. <laughs> yeah. Where are the other guy? Make the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it'll be interesting. I think at this point, it's it's kind of a it's prove it time for the Rice offense, right? Like we yeah. we've kind of put uh, we've kind of laid out all the pieces and we know uh, I guess, maybe not who they are. We know who they could be. So, and I think that's that's really the the big question left for this, the offense as they line up against Arkansas is can they find those gaps? Can they prove that they can be effective, you know, at the intermediate level of the field and the deep level of the field and set up that short field stuff? So um, I, I'm interested there if we want to fl- flip over maybe in a little bit and talk about the Rice defense, because I think that, is it, whether or not Rice has a a real chance in this game is gonna come down to the defense. Like that, let's be honest. It's it's from what we've seen so far. You know, I I asked you know uh, defensive coordinator Brian Smith this week if they were gonna p- put another shutout on the board, and he just kind of laughed. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If that, He'd like it, I'm sure. I don't know if that's that's going to be reasonable in, in this game, but I, I do think that the Rice has proven enough with this defense and largely a lot of the same personnel that they should be able to make the the bulk of the the day difficult for the Arkansas offense. What scares me um, is Traylon Burks at, at wide receiver, and because Rice is just. You know, we talk about the differences between Conference USA and and, S, and the SEC, if there are any. Uh, Traylon Burks is 6'3", 225, and can book it. 
uh, a Blitnikoff award watch list kind of guy, Maxwell too, I believe. So that's, that's going to be challenging because Rice doesn't really have athletically a guy on their roster that they can just put out on him and say, stop him. Yeah. They've got some guys who can run in the, you know, in the, in the secondary, they've started, they've got some real depth, the corner. Um, but like you said, Burks, if, if we were talking about on the other side of the ball, Brad Rosner, you know, 6'5", 205 or whatever is a bad matchup, even for some SEC DBs. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you that Rice doesn't have a guy who can match up on Traylon Burks. Like, he is just an absolute animal at that size and the speed and the ability that he has. So he is going to be a massive, massive problem. And honestly, I wonder if it might just be as simple as, like, can Rice get any pressure at all? Because KJ Jefferson, um, I don't know, the reports are out of camp for Arkansas have been that, oh, they, he's, a, he's a captain, like he has the team's confidence, whatever. I mean, the guy's thrown 72 passes in his career and completed 47% of them. He has not been a super accurate guy to this point in his career. He's huge, 6'3", 245, um, but he's not necessarily like a runner. Um, and he hasn't been super accurate in his limited action thus far. So can you, like, maybe he's improved. And, like, if he can just stand there in the pocket and he's improved and can just throw it up to Traylon Burks all day, then, like, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. I, I don't, I won't really fault the Rice defense for that. But, like, if they can get a little push um, and, you know, maybe bring some of those exotic looks uh, on defense and and get a little pressure on him and and fluster him a bit. Like he's not the most nat- naturally accurate guy. So if you're forcing him off his game, then that is what can can kind of blunt the effectiveness of a guy like Traylon Burks a little bit. But if if Jefferson is dealing and and Burks is just out there, you know, able to do what he wants, then the, I don't know that there's a whole lot Rice could do against that because Burks is so so good. Yeah, I mean that the 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 what they're going to have to do is going to have to you have your your corner on him and put a safety over the top and bracket him as best you can and just try and play the uh I get what the old Bill Belichick style of defense where we're not going to let this guy beat us. Somebody yeah. else is going to have to. Uh which you know that they got a lot of guys uh, I I know that that they they like their tight end Blake Kern. Uh, he's a guy that it, it has been there basically forever. And then they have a, a couple other, um, I guess, I, I don't know if they have a guy at running back. Traylon Smith is coming back, but uh, a, a new high school uh, recruit, uh, his name is escaping me. What was it? He's a, a five-star kid. Um, A.J. Green, um, mm-hmm. number two ranked player in Arkansas signing class. Uh, they're They're pretty excited about him. I don't know if he gets into this game. It's still pretty early in the season, but uh, they got a couple options, but I no, no, nobody else is Traylon Burks good. So that at least gives me some optimism if they're able to to limit him that that things can work out better. and and I think, I think it was interesting that uh, during the media availability this week, Mike Bloomgren actually uh, mentioned a couple times when asked about the Arkansas quarterback situation, he, he mentioned Malik Hornsby uh, a couple times and what he could do on the ground. So I, I don't know if he thinks that we're going to see him in this game, but uh, that would be interesting. Uh, the former Texas high school football kid, uh, a dual threat that can, can do a lot. But I think, uh, I think, um, Jefferson, he might not be a a fleet of foot runner, uh, but he can definitely move. And his size is going to pose some problems because he just it's hard to bring those kind of guys down. It's the the yeah, Cam I mean, a, a guy that right, big, yeah, right, a guy that big can fall forward and get you two extra yards because he's such a he's so huge. <laughs> yeah, and I mean Rice, I think for the most part, you take away the Jason Bean. Uh, what was like an 88 yard or 82 yard run? Uh, at I was North just Texas. thinking about the other day when we did the podcast after that one and we were calling it the big bean run. The big bean run. Yes. Oh, the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than the, the, big bean, the big bean run. Other than the big bean run, I think Rice has held up pretty well. 
against mobile quarterbacks. I think you you look back like at, at Asher O'Hara, uh, for example. I don't. He mm-hmm. did not, you know, run circles around the Rice defense. A, a bit more, a bit more speedy than than probably uh, Jefferson will be. I, but I think Rice has held up pretty well. The the and a large part of that was was Blaze Aldridge, honestly, and what he was able to do and close running lanes down for quarterbacks. So I think that is going to be an interesting chess match to to watch because you're going to be relying on, you know, probably Myron Morris and Desmond Baker, guys that haven't been in that position at the D1 level to make sure they have an eye out when he's, you know, moving in the pocket because uh, that could be potentially problematic. Yeah, it's definitely something you want to keep an eye on and just make sure that you're not giving so much attention to any other element, to every other element that you just leave him free to take the yards that he can get. But um, it's definitely going to be a challenge. And, you know, it's even harder to get kind of the matchups you want and be able to play the kind of coverages you want against an offense like this because this is, you know, Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator. They're playing that uh, what's been called the beer and shoot. I've also heard people referring to it as the super spreader offense recently. <laughs> and, you know, the whole deal is that you just get those wide receiver splits as wide as you possibly can. And then you get light boxes. So if they force you to hand it off, you know, you're, you're playing five on five in the box and the defense can really only do so many things when your secondary is having to cover literally sideline to sideline. So you know, I'm de- I'm sure exactly like you said they'll they'll play Bill Belichick right. They'll roll the cover they'll roll the coverage toward Burks and just say like, please, please, anyone else beat us because you can't let that guy just sort of run free. But um, it's and they do they do free. move him around a good a bit good right. amount. It's not going to be as easy as like, hey, he's on the he's on the boundary side. Just or, he's always lined up on the right. Like just go go stick him over there. They'll put him in the slot. They'll get him some carries out of the backfield. He's that dynamic of a pe- of an athlete, and yeah. so it's it's going to be hard. They, they are going to know where he is on the field at all times, but knowing and stopping are two different things. Yeah, so, so it's going to be we'll a challenge. S- yeah, I mean, it, it's this is a uh, <laughs> it's not any a, a fair fight. I think last time I, I looked, the the odds had Arkansas favored. I think it was by nineteen points. Um, so Rice by no means expected to to go in and win this game. But I, I was kind of perusing and looking through, I think Bill Connolly had uh, expected uh, win percentages and, and posted his week one chart earlier in the week. And I think Rice's odds at p- pulling up an upset as a, a, a big underdog were, were pretty favorable, uh, if not high compared to some other folks in, in similar places. So, I mean, that's a lower point spread than they had against uh, Marshall last year, right? Yeah, I was Marshall Wasn't was it, a didn't 20, it close at 24 or something. I think it was 23 and a half. Yeah. And they won that game by 20. So <laughs> take that point spread. What minus four? So Bryce wins 14, nothing. It'll be yeah, like a Southwest conference game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Really throwing it back. <laughs> That'd be fun. All right. And, and then I want to close out. I kind of maybe. Maybe we'll keep these as we kind of traverse through the season, but kind of a, I thought it might be nice to kind of land the plane and, and close things out. And what's uh, we've talked through a lot. Do you have a, a mashup or, or maybe a, a, a personnel, uh, a package, a, a kind of scheme fit that you think particularly you like Rice in this uh, in this game, offense, defense? Um, yeah, it's hard to find. A matchup that you really feel like, okay, Rice has a definitive advantage here. Like, uh, you know, doing that against an SEC team is a tall order, even even one like Arkansas that's not near the top of the conference. But the ones I'll be watching the most, I would say, um, when McCaffrey's in the game, I want to know, like, I want to see him versus those Arkansas linebackers and what they're doing. You know, can you get it to where... Um, you spread out a little bit so the DBs can't really come help. And then you use the option game to even out the numbers. And now it's McCaffrey one-on-one in, in space against like Graham Ward. And if McCaffrey can slip a guy like him, 
that is is you know like an all conference type player in the SEC and looks good running the ball when you can get him that kind of matchup, then that I think is an extremely good sign for Rice going forward. And then on the other side of the ball, um, it's probably just going to be can they get pressure because it's not even really going to be you know for a guy like Burks it's not going to be a matchup right you're because you're going to throw the whole kitchen sink at him right um, so. Can they get any pressure at all and and maybe make some tackles for loss and get Arkansas behind? Because Arkansas was terrible on third down last year. So can you get them behind the chains a little bit with a few tackles for loss or sacks? Because um, then that makes your chances of stopping them a whole lot better. Yeah, and I think I think the matchup that that I like the most, and if you if you haven't gotten in the, the rhythm, I'm still getting into the rhythm of the season, but uh, for, for future weeks to come, every Monday I'm going to put up a a game preview kind of profiling. I think this is like 1,200 words, uh, you know, from everything, how to watch, X factors, uh, some game notes, stats, uh, what have you about everything about the upcoming opponent. Something I put I pulled together from that, that preview when I was doing my research in, in that Rice had – a disproportionately low amount of explosive plays last year. Uh, they averaged a 1.3 plays of 30 yards or more per game. Arkansas defensively, for as bad as they were, it was very, well, I might say Ben don't break because they gave up a lot of points. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, they were good at keeping the ball in front of them. They allowed 1.9 plays of 30 yards or more per game during the season, which is one of the better marks in the SEC. And especially when you consider the offenses, I mean, they got they had to go up against the Florida and Alabama last year, which were yeah. juggernauts. So, I mean, but I, re- I remember watching that game as an Alabama fan and I mean, Alabama scored 40 something like 41 points and it was like 41 to three or something like that. But one Alabama put up more than 41 against most people. And two, I remember thinking it was about the slowest, most tortured 40 points I have ever seen an offense put up. Because <laughs> Arkansas was just like, nope, 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 nope. Uh, like, they contained Devontae Smith about, like, no one contained Devontae Smith last year, but they did it about as well as could have been expected, given the talent, given the talent differential. So it's not just saying, like, a lot of times it sounds like when you're talking about a defense like this that you're you're giving them backhanded compliments like, oh, they really keep things in front of them. Like, you know, they're they're bend don't break. But like. In today's like offensive paradigm, if you can play that kind of defense and play it really, really well. And Arkansas obviously was not able to do it to the extent of stopping teams like Alabama or Florida, but like against teams that you have similar to similar talent levels, if you can play that kind of defense well, then you can have a lot of success. So I, I am being very complimentary about their defense when I talk about it in this way. So it it's definitely going to be a challenge to get yards and points on these guys. Yeah, which is why I think it's most interesting in the matchup. I like I I and I'm 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 kind of going out on faith here. And I think it's the downfield passing game against the Arkansas corners. Uh, because I think we've we've talked about Brad Rosner. I I think the year away from college football for for Brad Rosner and going back the last time we saw him on the football field, like think back to the Middle Tennessee game where the offense was like, let's just chuck it to Brad and he'll go yep. get it. And he scored. He had what a hundred and I don't even remember how many yards, one hundred thirty receiving yards and three touchdowns or mm-hmm. something something like that. Uh, but I I think. What I've seen from the quarterbacks and from the offense so far during camp is they're going to take shots. And I think that is something that they are going to be able to hit on a couple of those. And I I really think that is something that um, I I believe they can do. And so I like that matchup, how how Rosner can go up and out physical most of these guys in the in the secondary and the the speed they have on the edges on the edges uh, with with Trey Patterson, you know, Zay Knipe exists, Andrew Mason, like one or two of those guys is going to be able to get a step. Uh, they're not going to do it every time, but there's going to be a play or two. And the difference was last year, I don't think anybody was looking to get them the ball 
when they got past 15 yards downfield. I think those eyes are going to be there. So I'm, I'm, I, I like that matchup because I think it's kind of a little bit of element of surprise. And I kind of, and I do believe that Rice has the pieces to actually do it uh, this year, maybe for the first time. So I like that bit. Uh, you kind of covered it a little bit. I'll, I'll start my second kind of final thought question is what's keeping you up at night with this game. And, and for me, it's the Rice offensive line against this front seven because I this has kind of been the what was supposed to be great when Mike Bloomgren arrived at South Maine. He was supposed to bring the guys to win in the trenches, and we just haven't really seen that yet, in, especially in, in Conference USA play. And, and a large, maybe not some portion of that is because they haven't had a quarterback to stress defenses downfield. And everybody's just said, fine, we'll stack the box. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned to some degree what we're going to see from the Rice offensive line because this is they're going to be a bit overmatched more than likely with this defensive front. And I, you can remind me next week when we talk not to overreact if I get unnecessarily high or low because yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of games to come, but I think that's crucial because if rice can't protect uh, whoever is at quarterback and they can't open up space that that offensive line is going to determine whether or not the offense is going to be able to move the ball. And if they can't move the ball, it, Arkansas is going to score at least two points, probably three <laughs> or more. Like I, I said, at least one, but you have to, if you're going to score, they're, they're, there's still not a way to score a single point in college football. So, yeah, that's what's keeping me up at night. You? Um, probably Traylon Burks, just in general. But is this just a, a is purely from a rice perspective or a little bit of Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel good about Alabama's corners. Like, Burks <laughs> will probably get his yards against them, but not enough to, to actually put a scare in them. But... Um, no, I definitely agree with you. Like on the offensive line, if they're overmatched in this game and don't get much push, like that's fine. They're playing an SEC team. If we go the next three weeks and it's it's Arkansas, it's Houston, it's Texas, and they just look absolutely they can't get anything going at all against any of them. It's not the end of the world because they will get to more competition that's at a more similar talent level after just that be a bummer it would like very technical term <laughs> it um it would racket up the pressure because if they look decent these next three weeks if they really get some push at least at times and look like okay you know they don't have the talent to beat these guys but when they get into conference play they're playing well enough that they should be able to do some things then that makes you feel a lot better whereas if they just look totally overmatched well, okay, they might be better when they get to similar competition, but that's a lot of pressure. Like, like okay, you're getting the the lesser competition now, but you got to step it up when you play them. So, um, my feelings on the season won't be decided one way or another by these first three games because there's so much talent that they're playing against. But, um, I don't know. They're, they're, no moral victories anymore, but there will be an 0-3 that I can feel confident about and an 0-3 that I won't feel confident after. So, And feel very kind of confident about 3-0, and just for the record. I want to throw oh, that out. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. 3-0, <laughs> and 2-1, honestly, even 1-2. and two. Like, pull one of these games and I will feel extremely good. But yeah. this start to the season is all about you know, how do they look and are they setting themselves up well for conference play? Right. And you said you said no, no, no moral victories, but I am going to close things out. Kind of last piece here. One bold prediction for for this game. And I have my bold prediction. I my bold prediction is Wiley Green starts this game and leads the Rice offense on two consecutive scoring drives to start okay. the game. I think that he 
Wiley has shown enough composure and ability to execute this offense that if they can hit on a couple plays here and there, that it is not completely unthinkable for Rice to be winning 10 nothing in the first quarter. I I don't think that's crazy. It's bold. That's certainly not what you know most would expect to happen, but my bold prediction is is a, a at least a touchdown and a field goal drive uh, from Wiley Green to start the game. I'll go in a similar vein. I'll say that it's going to be the type of game where um we'll get to halftime and uh everybody around the country is, you know, happy and celebrating they're watching college football it's for saturday so exciting and then they're all gonna like at the halftime of their games they're gonna check the score of rice art they're gonna scroll through the score app and they're gonna be like is arkansas losing to rice 10 to 7 is arkansas over here because like, they don't know anything about rice right they're just like wait arkansas is losing to rice what's happening like i even even if it doesn't turn out that way at the end at some point some like national media member is going to open up Twitter and be like, uh, guys, what is Arkansas doing right now? Rice is going to do that to them. I love it. So there you go. Bold prediction, a, a uh, two scoring drives for me and Carter calling a national media member, uh, pointing out what we'll say, probably Twitter that, uh, Rice is beating Arkansas, um, and just causing general chortling from all SEC fans and, yeah, Everyone. if we get like a Spencer Hall tweet mocking Arkansas for losing to us, that for for being down to us, that will uh that will make my day. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> oh man, it's just it's fun to talk football again, man. I'm, yeah, I'm just, previewing that previewing an actual game, like what a time. Yeah, and that but that's perfect. You're good at this. Uh, seg setting me up to uh, coast us into our segue to uh, kind of wrapping us up. Speaking of previewing an actual game i got with with tom murphy of the arkansas democrat gazette and that's the interview you're going to hear in just a moment and we kind of just talked through more on the arkansas side since this is what he covers day in day out kind of talked through key pieces and players how he's kind of felt uh, about the team and, and i think interesting you'll hear from him just kind of his thoughts on sam Pittman because we kind of from a, maybe a national perspective, kind of lost the fact that he was a first year head coach in the middle of the pandemic mm -hmm. and had to deal with what he did. I, I think we we saw what happened at UTSA, and that was kind of the, the great success story of first year coaches in 2020. But uh, I think what Pittman was able to do at Arkansas established a lot of faith. And you're going to hear a little bit of that, about that uh, in this conversation. So, uh Without further ado, we'll pass it off. This is uh, Tom Murphy, and then we'll close out from there. Hey, welcome in, everybody. I'm here with Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette to talk a little bit Razorback football in the upcoming season. How's it going, Tom? I'm doing great. It's just been super scorching up here in Fayetteville like it is in Houston, I think. Yeah, we were talking before recording that that's the commonality uh, between both of these programs. This is going to be hot. Is it going to be we're going to get into triple digits by the time we head up to Fayetteville? You know, I have not looked at the at the forecast for Saturday, but you could bet it's probably going to be pretty warm. Yep. Yeah, I believe it. The uh, the Rice football team was practicing outside just to make sure they were acclimated. I was like, I, I think we understand at this point. But, you know, that's why they pay the coach the big bucks. Right. So. Absolutely. Uh, We'll, we'll jump in. Speaking of coaches, I want to talk to you a little bit about Sam Pittman, because this is going to be I, I, I hesitate to use the word normal in, in, in air quotes, but this is going to kind of be the first normal year uh, for Sam Pitt, Pittman as the head coach at Arkansas. Kind of can you give me and Rice fans kind of the, the birds, you know, the 10,000 foot view of what him taking over the program has been and kind of what his his signature, his stamp has been for the Razorbacks? Yeah, that's a great question. He was the line coach here from 2013 to 15, and Arkansas was a pretty good running team. They had some great running backs, Jonathan Williams from Texas, uh, Alex Collins from Florida, had a huge game at Texas Tech, which was kind of the, the stamp of the Brett Bielema era in 2014, uh, seven rushing touchdowns. And so uh, Sam just had a folksy way about him, and he got to know the media during that time, and, and, and because of that, the, the fan base got to read about his quotes. And so he was well-liked and he was an outside, you know, he was a dark horse candidate 
when it was time to hire. The, the big names were Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin and, you know, Eli Drinkwitz, who all got jobs in the SEC. But Sam Pittman just had a way and he sold the he sold Hunter Juracek and the coaching search committee on his passion and love for the Razorbacks and then his wife, Jamie, and he both loved it here. And they, his agent named Judy Henry in Little Rock went to bat for him, just started putting a bug in Hunter Juracek's ear and having people call him. So they show up to his house in Athens for the interview and Jamie had made like cupcakes and cookies for him. And they, <laughs> and, and there were napkins on the side and they said, run the damn ball. And so they just kind of knew Sam Pittman knew what it took to get better and to win games in the SEC, recruit in the trenches. And he's just a, just the kind of the common man. And he really connects with players. And I think what he did is restored the belief they could win games. If you look at last year, they led Georgia, you know, very highly regarded Georgia at halftime. Admittedly, Georgia was playing the quote wrong quarterback at that time, but they led at halftime. They led 10 to five in the third quarter. And then the Georgia got hot, but, and then week two, Mississippi State had just blown up the defending national champion LSU with 632 passing yards, blew, blew them up. And Arkansas went into Starkville and held them down with a, a drop eight zone defense, really frustrated them and upset them 21 to 14. And from that moment on, people believed that Sam Pittman knew what it took to win games and had a good coaching staff. And, you know, they went three and seven, but there was – Two or three games of the Auburn game basically should have been in the W column. Are we allowed to speak of the Auburn game? That was the infamous uh, spike that wasn't a spike. That's right. We could speak of it. I I talked to the SEC coordinator of officials, John McDade, after that game. And and admittedly, the the ref blew his whistle too early. If they hadn't been blowing the whistle, an Arkansas guy got the loose ball, the game would have been over at that time. So that was a game, LSU game, Missouri game, could have gone either way. Um, and they lost those two as well. But just the belief that they can win games is what Sam Pittman has done. And uh, it, everyone's excited to see what a full camp and year two will bring for the Razorbacks. I think it's interesting because I make a connection that, you know, if you look at the record three and seven, but I, I remember watching the Georgia game and like many people were just like, oh, this is different. <laughs> First time head coach in the SEC and probably one of the two or three most talented rosters in the country on the other side. Something is not adding up. Uh, but but you look at three and seven record and then you take in the context of, of how it looked. It it kind of feels uh, different. And I think Rice is in a, in a similar position where you can you can put the, the pieces together and, it, and there's a different story than just what the cold, hard wins loss, you know, projects. Uh, what's kind of I know the expectation at, at Arkansas is is high and, and the, as with every program in the SEC. But what are after seeing that and kind of reading the tea leaves, so to speak, what's kind of a, a reasonable outlook to, to you for, for 2021? Like, are we going out to national champions or, or what does that next step look like? Because I feel like the, the faith in the program piece, like you said, it's there now. Yeah, the, the next step would be to win their non-conference games, starting with Rice. And then Texas is a big deal. Week two, um, but I think six and six is um, a, a good season. Now, how they get there, you know, here's the thing: they weren't really competitive in the Alabama game, and Florida and Texas A&M both just outscored them. They just could not keep up with those two teams. Uh, they have Georgia on the road again this year, Alabama on the road, and you know A&M at a neutral site. Those are going to be hard to win. And the LSU game is on the road. So those are four that are just going to be tough. And all the games that were, in my opinion, swing games last year, they went three and three in those. Well, they have to go to Ole Miss this year. And that's going to be a tough win, especially because the the Rebels will have – they'll have answers to the defense that they faced here last year when Matt Corral threw six interceptions. So I think you have to be realistic that – uh, you lose a quarterback who was a real stabilizing force. I think Felipe Franks' value to the team could not be understated last year. Uh, if they had had to throw K.J. Jefferson into that mix, who knows how that would have worked out. But now K.J. is the starter. He had a really good performance against Missouri. Now can he can he do that when the pressure's on him, so to speak? Uh, 
in that run pass option offense they run, he's got to be a quick decision maker. And early in camp, he wasn't doing that. So uh, we don't get to see everything in camp. The offense has not looked as strong uh, as the defense in camp. But um, a, a bowl bid and a six-win season, I think, is progress for the Razorbacks. And then I think a lot of that is probably going to ride, as it does with, with every football program, right on the quarterback. And you mentioned K.J. Jefferson. It was in the program last year and is a pretty athletic guy, can do some things on the ground and through the air. You know, you mentioned the transition between a Felipe Franks, a veteran, super senior at that point, right? That had kind of been around. Yeah, fifth year. Fifth year. And then the move to KJ. What's your confidence level that he's going to be able to to be, you know, the guy? Uh, pretty solid because of what he did in the Missouri game. Hey, his first first showing as a Razorback, he came in. Mississippi State was really on top of them two years ago, and he had a long run, and he threw a deep pass to Traylon Burks, and they had a five-play touchdown drive, and it was just bam, 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 bam. And that's what the fans had been clamoring for for weeks, and the Chad Morris regime wouldn't put him in there, obviously trying to keep his red shirt. But they, they waited until really late in the season to play him. And he got the start the next week against LSU and got hurt. But the only like legit full game was Missouri. 18 of, I say, 32, so just a little over 50% of uh, completions. And he ran for, I think, 32 yards and counted for four touchdowns in the game. Pretty solid numbers, not against the best defense in the league. Um, I don't think his completion percentage will approach Felipe Franks' 68.5, which was a single season. Arkansas record last year. I think if they get to 60, it'll be a, a pretty good season for him. He'll just be a more willing runner. And if there was some fault in Felipe, it was he wasn't wouldn't make decisions. He wouldn't just throw passes away if everyone was covered. And sometimes he'd start to run and then wasn't super agile and you know, he'd have some short gains. I think if KJ Jefferson sees everyone covered, he'll he'll make the decision to run and he'll get yardage out of it. So I think what you trade off in completion percentage, you're going to get more value out of him in the run game. And to me, it's just those decisions, how how accurate he can be with his decisions and then with his passing. We haven't seen it being great in our limited viewing in camp, uh, but because he's done it in the Missouri game, there's a thought that you know he'll, when the lights go on, he'll he'll perform. And then it, obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of hope there. And then last year it was it was really kind of the the offense that was almost a step ahead of, of the defense, you know, on the field for, for Arkansas. Do you kind of see you mentioned the defense having a strong camp? Do you kind of see that balancing out and the defense catching up or, or wh- where do you kind of uh, project both of those units to finish up? Yeah, I think the defense will be better. Here's the weird thing. Statistically, Arkansas did not look like a very good team last year. They were eighth in pretty much every offensive category. I think rushing, passing, scoring, total offense, they were eighth, you know, just past halfway. The defensive numbers were not pretty. The fact that they had game plans that defeated the two Mississippi schools um, and Tennessee is a feather in Barry Odom's cap that he took the talent that was here and made it work in those games. They didn't have much of a pass rush. This year, they got three um, uh, transfer portal guys, grad transfer seniors, Trey Williams and Markel Utsi from Missouri, and a kid named John Ridgeway, and he wears number 99, and he's 6'5", 320. You can't miss him. Uh, he'll, he'll, be in the, he'll be in the Rice game, and I, he might end up starting. I think those three guys are going to, A, tie up blockers on the inside, and, B, they, they have veteran – pass rush moves. And if Trey Williams is healthy, I think he'll be a bit of a difference maker uh, as, for the from the pass rush. And when you can do that, then you can be more creative with your coverage schemes. Uh, you can be more creative in sending extra guys to, you know, to overwhelm quarterbacks. They just didn't really impact. If you go back and look the full course of the A&M video and the Florida game, uh, Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask almost were untouched in the pocket. I mean, they operated the way they wanted. This year, I think they're going to move the quarterback around some. 
And the secondary is pretty deep. Jalen Catalan, Texas kid, is a striker and very instinctive. So I'm not saying they're going to be top four, top five defense in the SEC, but I do think they can be top half and just just more impact people, more ball hawkers. Which is interesting because I think last year something that kind of saved them a couple times is they were probably more on the the opportunistic uh, side that came away with a, a couple turnovers here and there that you know help things. And when you have an offense that is was as productive. Um, under Franks as, as it was, it, it kind of opened things up. Is, is that kind of a piece where it's getting to the point? Because you love turnovers. You have as many turnovers as you can on defense, but it's it's something that is tricky to rely on. Or is they kind of getting to that point where there's enough confidence, particularly in that front seven, like you mentioned, that, that, that this unit will be able to hold its own? Well, the thought is that they'll be better. I mean, the linebackers are all returning, and Grant Morgan had 111 tackles, and Bumper Pool had 101, and by the way, he's running second team right now to a, a kid named Hayden Henry, kind of a legacy name in Arkansas. Uh, his brother Hunter was uh, you know, on the 2015 team and won the Mackey Award as a tight end. But um, the thought is they'll be a little bit stouter up front. They'll have more three and outs, and when you do that and when you pressure the quarterback more, more, more turnovers, more takeaways should be the result. And honestly, the Mississippi State game, three takeaways, uh, started with a pick six to open the scoring was the difference in that game. Uh, the Ole Miss game, they stopped Ole Miss on the one-yard line on the opening possession of both halves. The first half was a fumble on fourth down from the one, and Jalen Catalan recovered that. The second one was a stop, a running play inside the one-yard line. And so you want to talk about, you know, trendsetters or tone tone setters. Those did that, and, of course, they had the seven takeaways. But the score was 26 to 21 with about three minutes and something left. And Ole Miss had the ball back and they could have gone down for a dagger touchdown despite all those turnovers. But Grant Morgan picked off a pass over the middle and returned it for a touchdown. So in, in my view, you can look at the Ole Miss game and say it was 33 to 21, not that close, but it was basically a mm-hmm. one score game. And so that's why I think it's going to be hard to beat them on the road this year. Uh, yeah, uh, Ole Miss is, you know, a former uh, CUSA legacy there, Lane Kiffin. Uh, always interesting. I guess Lane Kiffin is a legacy of just about everywhere at this point, right? Well, who knows where he ends up next? He's pretty but, beloved for his sense of humor in the conference and the fact that he'll go on Twitter and tweet Nick Saban or whomever. I love it. Hey, he, he didn't make he didn't make things boring when he was in Conference USA. I appreciated that. But uh, I did want to close up, uh, ask you a little bit about, you know, Arkansas and their their history versus Conference USA and then get real, over to the to the game upcoming. But uh, I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but Arkansas has a, a two game losing streak to Conference USA teams. There was that North Texas team uh, with Mason Fine led by Seth Luttrell in 2018 and, and Western Kentucky came in uh, and won at Arkansas in 2019. Obviously, there's a, a different coaching staff in place. That's uh, part of a reason for that. But uh, kind of w- what's your read on, on that, especially coming into uh, another non-conference game against a Rice team that, you know, probably doesn't have the offense that those two teams had, to be fair, but has a pretty good defense? Right. I, I think this is going to be a tough game. And as Sam Pittman has said no, numerous times, when you go in and, and you give Marshall a loss, when Marshall was rolling last year, in his view, that's the type of Rice team the Razorbacks need to expect to play, a tough, tough opening opponent. Um, those were dark days under Chad Morris. Uh, they did beat Tulsa that year uh, in a shutout, which was, I, I guess, the highlight of two years under Chad okay. Morris. That in a, 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 They had a late run in the fourth quarter against Colorado State, but those are the two games that were like, okay, those are good wins. But otherwise... Um, the Western Kentucky game was the nail in the coffin because Ty Story was Western's quarterback, a kid who they really, you know, basically ran him off. He, he would have been a senior. And when you look at how he played for Western Kentucky that year, it, it was pretty good. And meanwhile, they had Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle playing musical chairs and not getting great production and had a disastrous performance against San Jose State. You know, if they had won that game and – yeah. Leading up to Western Kentucky, they had uh, played a tough game against Texas A&M, a one score. They had the ball late and got down inside about the 20, and and then they they turned it over on downs late in the game, and that's it. 
The next week against Kentucky on the road, they get out to a lead and they start fading in the second half. Lynn, Lynn Bowden, who was the receiver slash quarterback, started running all over them and they had the ball late and uh, they drive down and they couldn't they couldn't score late and they lose by four points. At that point, Hunter Yurichek said he thought Chad Morris had lost the locker room. And when when Ty Story stuck it to him the next week, that was it. And of course, he was fired on Sunday, and uh, and it led to Sam Pittman's arrival here. But you know, Conference USA against Louisiana Tech, they had a tough, tough season opener in 2016. Just could not pull away, and they needed a late sack. I think it might have been a fourth down, but a late sack to hold uh, Louisiana Tech off. I think it was 21 to 20. So. Um, they expect a tough opener and conference USA football, <laughs> that North Texas game was just a real nader. I, mean, I think they had a bunch of turnovers in that game too. It was a disaster. And then the, the other tie in here is, uh, you know, going back to the, the days of the Southwest conference, you believe it's been 30 years since rice and Arkansas met on a football field. That's not crazy. It, it really does. But um, it's exciting. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. It was glad to have you. Where can we uh, follow you and, and pay attention this week as we get uh, all the Arkansas info we need? Well, we're a multi-platform availability media availability. Um, I'm I'm at Tom Murphy ADG on Twitter. You can go to Whole Hog Sports. All kind of Razorback content if you want to read it there. And I have to say, you're doing a great job covering Rice. I enjoyed reading all your material. Uh, that that I saw over the summer and uh, looking forward to a great game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 excited too. It's going to be a good one. So, thanks for stopping by. For everybody listening, we appreciate you, and we will uh, catch you next week. Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.